0: Everyone up, everyone in, time for the fun to begin. Come along with me, Lookout Bear, on a brand new adventure. (laughs) Hello everyone, Michael B. Moynihan here. Zubilee Zoo's resident adventurer, Lookout Bear. I, along with my friends Paul. Hello, Zubaroos. And Billy. Welcome to the show. Have teamed up to bring you an informative and entertaining deep dive into the loving world of Zubilee Zoo. One episode at a time. So please, buckle up and join us for... When you're in Zubilee. Zoo. Zubilee Zoo. Magic and wonder are waiting for you. So come on with us now and discover the wonder of you. Welcome to Zoobily Zoo. That's
1: right. You can listen to the brand new Zoobily Zoo podcast, dropping the 1st and the 15th of every month, wherever you get your podcasts or at electronicmediacollective.com slash Zoo pod.
2: Hey everybody, this is Bobby Porter from Battle for the Planet of the Apes, Elm 5, The Blob, amongst other things, and you are listening to Moose's Monster Mash.
0: Horror Hounds, to an all-new episode of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm your host, Moose. Joining me this month is the creative team behind the beginning of the year horror film. It's the, the, the film to start the year off right, or end the year right, depending on where you sit, but it's New Fears Eve, and let's not waiting any longer let's get into it please welcome pj starks and erica Huskison. Hello. How, you how we doing folks
2: good, doing pretty good. good how are you
0: good good yep. now you guys are in post-production on this film
2: correct yes, sir. yes
0: so how long where did the idea for all this come from
2: it was all me.
1: Yeah, Eric uh, <laughs> runs the company. He's the face of the company. He comes up with all the good
2: ideas. Um, uh, PJ, has, uh, everybody, thinks P- everybody thinks PJ owns this company. It's all him, but truth be told, he thinks it's funny, but it's not.
1: Yeah, he's bitter if you can't tell. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> PJ's no, just easier to run, get a hold but, of. <laughs> I'm just, well, uh, the the long and the short of that situation is I've become the face of the company just because I've just, by virtue of having done this longer and being the one who does a lot of marketing, and plus I work, I like do a lot of executive producing and stuff on other projects, so I'm out there not just because of what we're doing, but because of, uh, some of these other projects, so it just kind of comes with the territory. Um. But as far as New Fears Eve is concerned, uh, we, we were making 13 Slays Till Christmas, and um, I just randomly came up with the idea through – it usually hits me like if I'm in the shower or if I'm driving. And um, I'll either come up with a concept and then later on come up with a title, or I'll come up with a title and then kind of flesh out the concept and i came up with the title i was driving one day i was like oh new fears eve that sounds like a cool name what could it be about and then slowly started coming up with the idea and originally it was supposed to be an anthology and of course i pitched the idea to eric and uh, per usual he rolls his eyes cuz i'm always throwing ideas at him and of course we're in the the throes of of making another picture so he's like yeah uh, how about we get through this movie and then talk about what our next potential movie could be. And so I shelved it and then we put 13 slaves till Christmas out and it did fairly well in terms of like, you know, really getting out there and reviews and things of that nature. So, um, Eric came to me and was like, Hey, we definitely need to do another uh, holiday based film. And it just seems natural to go in the direction of um, the next holiday so what about that 13th or the the, uh, New Fears Eve idea that you'd come up with Um, so I pulled it off the shelf and kind of started working on it and then once I got it all fleshed out through the idea of him and here we are
0: I've, I've learned that holiday horror always hits home I I'm not sure what it is, but if it's holiday-themed, regardless of the holiday, it it always finds a special spot with somebody.
2: Right.
1: Well, and the other good thing, too, about making a holiday horror film, and and Eric and I actually found this out uh, the hard way, and that's when you make a um, a holiday-based film – every year or every every year that that holiday comes back around almost always your movie comes back around Mm -hmm. as well because it hits lists and things and when we made 13 slays till christmas we did that during the pandemic so the film got shut down for a while and originally our plan was to release it in december of 2020 well when december started getting closer of course, the film was already completed and everything, but um, unfortunately, due to the the amount or the needs of like medical facilities and stuff, polyurethane was at a shortage. So, Blu-ray cases, cellophane wrap, stuff like that was not readily available. So, ultimately, our film got pushed back, and it came out in in March of twenty one, and. Honestly, nobody really gives a shit about a Christmas movie in March.
0: Well, at that point, you should have just so, pushed it to July.
1: You, you, you would think that, but, you, you know, when you work on a project and it, it's, you don't really want to sit on it because you're worried that, you know, if you don't release it while the iron is still hot, yeah, then you're really going to miss the mark. But then sometimes if you release it too soon, but ultimately it was like the plan was the process of putting it out there and getting it distributed had already begun so it was still the physical media side it it was um that got hit but then it was it really was supposed to release in december but then because of other things happening as well that pushed it back even further so it ended up going into the next year however and this happened this past year when Christmas time came around, the movie started popping back up mm-hmm. and we ended up hitting, um, best holiday horror lists on like good housekeeping and cosmopolitan magazine. And you know, that, that was completely unexpected. So that's, that, that's the long way of getting to that point is by saying that, you know, when you make a movie that's holiday based, Um, It's
0: built-in marketing. It
1: almost, yeah, exactly. It almost always comes back around somehow in some capacity. Volumes of Blood still does that occasionally because it's Halloween. Um, So inevitably, New Fears Eve should do the same.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'm hoping to have you guys back here in a couple months to do a deep dive into 13 Slays of Christmas. Um, Awesome. For my thirteen days of Christmas uh, episodes. So because that that's how I came across you guys in the first place. It's like every year I'm looking at like Christmas horror. I'm like, oh what's this? Oh, this looks awesome. And then just kind of get down the rabbit hole and then yeah, New Fears Eve popped up and like the projects you're working on is like, oh this sounds really cool. Uh so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what uh, New Year's Eve is?
2: Basically, uh, basically, um, of course, this is based around uh, New Year's Eve. Um, uh, it bases around a company called Hooper Industries where there's three uh, co-workers uh, that work there, and they're actually all friends as well. Um, and, and they basically are talking one night and realize uh, that they are basically have ran into this character in a certain costume and realized that each one of them realized, well, it wasn't just boss bossing it. And what they don't realize is the, the company is forcing them to come to a mandatory New Year's Eve party. Their boss is uh, not the nicest or greatest boss in the world, and he's forcing this on them. And uh, the doctor... Uh, who is the nemesis in the film, um, knows where they work and actually locks the place down during the party and then, uh, of course, all hell ensues after that.
0: Nice. So, without... Is that
2: good, PJ, or do you not? Go ahead.
0: ahead. Uh, Without seeing it, is there plans for, like, a uh, part two. It, this sounds like something you could turn into at least a mini series.
2: I mean, there's well, a... <sighs> go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, if we get really good distribution, if we get, you know, a good deal with distribution and um, they are wanting to, see a part two, possibly, or asking if there's a part two. PJ has already come to me and says he has an idea how to move forward with a part two. Um, now, depending on the success of this is whether probably that'll go forward with that. Uh, but I'll let t- PJ take over with, since he has an idea for the second.
1: Oh, I mean, you, you pretty much covered it at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know how the the next installment will go of course i don't have it fully fleshed out but i know what the story is and i know the direction it's going to go in so i already have an idea as far as what the first second and third act are going to be uh and how things play out but of course i'm not going to invest a whole lot of time in sitting down and and writing a script and all that until we know for a fact that's that's going to be what our next project is that's that's we get asked that all the time, like, oh, what's your next movie going to be? What's your next movie going to be? And, of course, you can always say, well, this is what we want to do next, and that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's what you want to do next, but not necessarily what you're going to do next. Right. We've, we've, we've gone through that several times where we'll say, oh, this should be what our next pro- – this is going to be our next project. And then whether it's circumstances or financing or whatever the case may be, we end up having to do something different. We, we went through that with devil's night, which was the third volumes of blood film. And we were trying to raise financing for that film, which was upwards of $60,000. And we were unable to raise that money. And then ironically, what little we did raise, we were able to put towards 13 slaves till Christmas. And that's how that film uh, coalesced. However, going into this movie, we ended up raising more than what we were needing for devil's night. So it, it's, it's exciting and it's cool because we were able to make this movie the way we wanted to make it and actually better because we raised more money than we were trying to get. But in some ways, like for me personally, it's uh, frustrating because it was we were trying to do the same thing with Devil's Night and that script is really good and really polished and we weren't able to bring it to fruition. Um, this script is really good and really polished, but... Uh, and but they're to- two totally different films. So we're, st- we're st- with this one, we're still able to make the movie we wanted to make. And in some respects, better than what we had anticipated originally. All right. All right. Um, but but yeah, so a part of me looks back and I'm like, man, if, <laughs> if we were able to have if we were able
2: to do what we did with this one, we, we would have been able to make Devil's Night. No, you go, I was just going to, all I was going to say was Devil's Night is one, like you said, it's pretty much not completely fleshed out, but we, we know what we're going to do with it, but it's one that we talked about going back to if we ever had the money again, and maybe not even really be a part three, more of a standalone, um, but it's something we have looked at possibly doing it another time.
0: Well, I mean, it it sounds like you guys are building a track record with the fans, so you're becoming a trusted, uh entity at this point so
1: we're trying we're trying yeah and so far it's it seems to be working out i guess but but a lot of that is it's not just us it's you know it's a lot of hard work and perseverance uh, on our part but then of course it's all the individuals that we work with because that's and and truthfully they don't they really don't get enough of the credit and the kudos because um, like i said earlier when it comes to you know it's like i it, it's kind of the same situation you know that, that that eric was alluding to i've become the face of the company right so i do a majority of the interviews and stuff so i'm out, out in the public eye more often than than he is but he's just as integral to the company and what we do and the films that we make he's you know he's 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 part of the process the entire way from conception to completion um, same thing with the individuals taking it a step further uh you know these people that we work with our our crew that we work with like alex clark who's our director of photography and then first his first ac which is Stephen dean and then we had a, a new guy come on named ryan mccain and he was he i mean he was in- incredible like he, he was like a superstar on set and then josh siegel is our script supervisor joshua ryan who does our boom um and then, of course, we have PAs Jackson Jorn, uh, Landon Dean. So it's like we have all these individuals who, at the end of the day, they really don't. And then, of course, our special effects team, Stephen Hodkey, Issa Morales, and then Blake yes. Bolden. It's like, uh, they don't really get the credit that they that they truly deserve because they're they're these people are the backbones of. Every project, not just ours, but other projects people are making, it's like these individuals, these people that do these jobs, because you're only as good as the crew that you work with. Absolutely, so, um, we've been incredibly fortunate to work with some really great people.
0: I, I remember listening, sitting in on a panel you guys gave in at Scarefest last year, and you, you guys were talking about New fears, Eve and a bunch of other independent movies, and. A thought popped into my head then, and I've, I've been waiting to ask. Have you considered, if this is a success, taking New Fears Eve or any of your other movies into, like, the graphic novel medium?
2: Well, it's funny that you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eric, uh, okay, go ahead with that one, right. please. I'm gonna let you take it because you've been contacted by more than one person about stuff like this. So well, I mean, we we have been asked about this,
1: and it's funny because when we were making um, or when we were in the process, we had ju- we had finished volumes of blood horror stories and we were moving into Devil's Night, we did have a company that had contacted us about possibly doing um, some sort of graphic novel so i sat down and i wrote a script which was about it was a 60 page treatment um it was a single narrative what it did was it took the, our slasher the face who was in both volumes of blood movies and ultimately his his overarching story through the entire franchise was going to play out in devil's night well um of course that never came to be but we uh we we did have plans to release a graphic novel that took place in between volumes of blood and volumes of blood horror stories and then was also kind of took place and then, oh and then took place after devil's night so it all it tied the thir- what was going to be the three films together in essentially a fourth installment, but in graphic novel form. And I wrote the script, but the, first of all, Devil's Night never got off the ground fully, right. and it didn't really make sense for us to move forward on the graphic novel. Once again, though, I like the story. Um, the, the script is called Post Trauma, and it, touches on people who are suffering from various types of post-traumatic stress and they're going through a program and they get trapped in this building in this program and they're being hunted by this sadistic murderer. know. Um, <laughs> and, and they're, they're trying to survive each other. They're trying to survive their own demons. And then ultimately they're also trying to survive this individual who's who's there to kill them. So really is uh, the ultimate game of survival. Right. So there's a lot going on in this script. So um, I have before talked to Eric about maybe revamping it and making it kind of its own thing where it's not once again, similar to us, like what Eric said about us rebranding devil's night and going in a different direction with it, still making the same film, but, tweaking some things so it's a standalone it's not um it's not necessarily directly connected to the volumes of blood doing the same thing with post the post drama script but of course right now that's all
2: talk
0: yeah as say, and the reason i asked is cuz i've noticed in the last like 3 years there has been a uh, resurgence in like the horror genre for graphic novels and the horror community is eating it up
1: yeah I've seen you know I mean over the years I know there's been a lot of IPs that have been extremely popular and stayed I know Ghostbusters is one of them Uh, Aliens vs. Predator is another one where they've continued to kind of make like one off series and and things Um, but yeah I have noticed where um that's the thing about horror. Horror is popular in so many different types of
2: mediums.
0: We have a rabid uh, fan base.
2: No, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, so it, it it is literally that double edged sword. It could be very very beneficial, or it could be very very hurtful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, and and that's and that's why we do horror. I mean, we we have other di- ideas for doing other stuff like comedy and stuff, but there's so many websites and cons and festivals and, you know, the, the events with horror, it's easy to get it out there. There's this big community where, you know, you can get it out there. There's not the comedy and drama. You'd have to have so much post money to advertise and try to get it out to the theater for anything else where, I'm, um, you know, horror is just out there every day.
0: I say horror. You just, you, you get booked at a convention that, has a uh, uh, film fest or just booked at a horror convention and be like, here, this is my project. Take a look. And you'll get new well, eyes I mean, every time.
1: And the other great thing about horror, and you know, we've talked about this before, it's like, I mean, it's, it's fantastic to have a recognizable face, and from a marketing standpoint, it does help a lot in terms of getting your film out there, especially if you're like, working in the independent sector but how many great horror films as horror fans have we watched where you don't recognize anybody that's in the cast it's complete unknowns and it's still a great film at the end of the day the what makes the horror genres so great is how not only how versatile it is but it transcends every other culture What's scary here is scary somewhere else, whether it's a monster or a guy with a knife or stuck in an elevator that's filling up with water. So there's, you know, the claustrophobia element. There's the the water element. So it's like people can can and can look at these things and, and, and understand the fears because a lot of this stuff resonates with them, even if they don't necessarily have um, a frame of reference, because in a lot of cases, monsters aren't real or may not be real so um, so yeah so that's why horror does so well all over the place
0: right and there's not a whole lot that can get lost in translation
1: right and that's the thing about comedy it's like um, you know what's funny here is not always what's funny over overseas and so many times whenever um, whenever a company makes a film that's not horror almost always they have to shoot additional or alternate material to put in the films so it's more successful in other regions around the country whereas i guarantee you when they released the boogeyman overseas they didn't have to necessarily add anything to it because they it's it's about something that's hiding under the bed or something that's hiding in the closet you don't. You don't need. You don't need an adi- something alternate or additional to add to that. So it, so it works just as well there as it does here.
0: Oh, I one hundred percent agree. You know, it's scared is scared. That that is a universal language. Yep. yep. So speaking of cast, you 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 guys do have a couple uh, known entities in this uh, film. Correct. How did that come about?
2: Uh, Basically, it was just uh, PJ uh, reaching out to a couple of people, actually, I think. Um, Jeffrey Reddick, we had already talked to. He's been a friend of uh, PJ's uh, for a while, and I've become friends with him. Um, And him being a Kentucky guy, it was uh, just... uh, uh, a way for us to get him in here, and he's been wanting to come in here and work with us anyway. The um, uh, PJ did did uh, Je- did Jeffrey give you the names of of the others, or did you just reach out to Dave and Felissa? Or you you reached out to Felissa, didn't you? And then I reached. Okay. yeah.
1: So I I had reached out to Felissa via Lance Wagner, and that's right. That's cause right. Yeah, because he's friends with her, and. That, that's the thing about, Melissa, that's, that's really the thing about all the actors, the, uh, the, the horror icons and, and horror actors that we have in the film. I mean, not only, I mean, yes, they're known for, you know, Sleepaway Camp and Victor Crowley and VHS. But if you watch their performances in anything that they do, they're actually very strong character actors. So it really, it doesn't, yeah, so it doesn't really matter if they're, what type of role they're playing. More often than not, yes, it's in a horror film, but the, the, the performances are always solid. Um, so what happened was is, uh, we knew we wanted – Eric and I are, are picky, but we're getting pickier as we go along um, with, with actors. So we knew if we're, if we're going to have somebody that's involved with the project, we want We want somebody who, who also comes with acting chops to be able to bring that gravitas to the character of the role. So, uh, I reached out to Lance. Lance said, let me talk to Felissa. Got Felissa, gave me her number. So then Eric and I got on the phone with her, talked to her. Of course, she, I don't know if you've met her before or not, but she is a it's absolute sweetheart. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the nicest people in the world sent her the right. script. She read it. She loved it and she was like, Uh, So we got back on the phone with her, and she's like, yes, I want to do the project. I love the script. Uh, It's funny. It's scary. Um, And then she said, just out of curiosity, uh, I noticed there's some other roles in here that you could potentially fill with other name actors. Did you have anybody in mind, or was there anybody that you were thinking of? And I said, well, it's funny that you asked that. And I'd already talked to Eric about this, because I had my eye on Dave Sheridan and hannah fearman um, so i threw those names at her because i knew that she knew them and she was like oh absolutely uh what roles told them what the roles were she said i'll talk to them if they're interested send them the script and then we'll go from there and that's exactly what she did and the rest is history so the next thing you know we're on the phone with dave we're on the phone with hannah of course throughout this entire process we are talking to jeffrey um, he, he was, he was on board the project, but we weren't announcing that yet. So we kind of announced him much later because he had a lot of stuff that was going on and, and we didn't want that announcement to interfere with any of that because he was working with some Netflix stuff and, and, um, and yeah, so that, that's ultimately how we were able to get Hannah and Dave and Felissa all involved on the project.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, Dave and Felissa and Jeffrey all uh, came on as producers as well. So they uh, were really involved with the first Indiegogo and reaching out to people to help us raise money to get this film made. So them coming on with producers is uh, a lot a lot of the reasons why this film is getting made because they helped us out a lot getting uh, not only just perks of stuff that they said they could do and contact people to get stuff done, and uh, it brought in a lot of money for the Indiegogo because of that.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, like we just said, these, these are known, known character actors in the horror community, and they come with a built-in fan base and a great Rolodex of friends and supporters. And right. it, it, it's always good to have the people like that in your uh, stable, when you're starting a small project, absolutely. In, in the films and stuff you've made, have you run into any issues with the, uh, like, the SAG actors being able to work on independent films, or how, like, how does that work?
1: Um, yeah, me, yeah, P.J. or you or. Well, I was going to say, I mean, all the projects that we do are non union. Um, we, we've talked in the past about maybe going union, and I did have, back in 2017, um, when we, after we had made Volumes of Blood Horror Stories, Eric and I had talked more seriously about maybe trying to see what it would take to go union or, or be able to work with, um, with actors who were SAG on future projects. And there was a, a short stint where I reached out to SAG and, and spoke to them. Um, and this is, this is not me saying anything negative about them as, as a whole, but I can say that the individual that I worked with um, was less than helpful. And uh, she had sent me a contract for, for basically what was called their new media deal, which was exactly that at the time. It was brand new. Um, she sent us the contract, and we looked at it, and there was a lot of stuff in the contract that just did not jive with what we were doing. A lot of it did not pertain to the type of project we were making, all the way from financing to, to how we run our set. And, and it was just – so I contacted them back and explained, like, you know, we need to negotiate on some of this stuff because ultimately it's like a lot of this doesn't pertain – to what to what we do and how we do things and the lady was like well just sign it and we'll work all that like work all that out later and i was and i had and i told her i said that's not how this works like you don't sign something and then work it out later you work it out to to approve what you're signing that's that's how you do it and she's like She's like, no, don't worry. No, you're overthinking it. It's not that big a deal. Let's get this going. Just sign it. And then we'll work out all these details at a later time. And I I wrote her back. I said, we're not signing anything until this is worked out now. And then I never really heard back from her. So at that point, I walked away and I had a really bad taste in my mouth with SAG.
2: Yeah. Well, I I had contacted him earlier than that about some situations and you know their their micro budget is 250,000 and you, we were looking at 25 to 50 and it was basically the same thing but when you read into it you you have to pay for an accountant to write the checks out to the people that are on set and so you know that's taking more money out of our budget by doing that you know and then there's fees and stuff you have to do and I'm like your micro budget is 250 we're at 2550 and you're going to take more money out of our budget to do things that we have to do that. I was like, "How is that helping us?" If I, you know, and it was going to cost us more money to do it. And then them being unions, they have uh, stipulations where you can only work so many hours a day. You can't work over this. If there's a kid involved. You have to do this. And PJ Day and our weekend warriors, we only work on the weekend. And it was just there was nothing about it that was going to work for what we did.
0: That's crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, and the other thing that we've run into with
1: SAG as well is uh, either friends we have or people that we've worked with who who have signed on to SAG. Um, it is instilled in them very heavily. Do not work on non-union projects. But then a lot of these actors, these 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 larger actors that we all know, a majority of them are SAG. And they're consistently doing non-union projects. And and what we've come to kind of learn is that when you're new at it, SAG, with all of their rules, will scare you into not taking roles and projects if they're non-union. But then when we've had conversations with other SAG individuals, like people who are attached to SAG later on, and it's like, how do you do all these non-union projects? And it's like, eh they might They might call it's, it's like a little slap on the wrist but what are they
2: they're, they're not really gonna they're not gonna do anything but yeah we've actually also had people that come on and acted in our films before and now won't because now they're sacked. right so we've lost we've lost really good actors because they're afraid to come work with us because of the insurance and everything else that they're told that they're gonna lose if they don't work if they work a non-union film right that's a shame. So and we're, and we're I not, once
1: again, know. we're not advocating – Yeah, things. we are
2: not – yeah, we're not, we're not bashing the union. You know. Right. This, yeah. is just our, this is just our
1: experience yeah. Experiences yeah. With, with dealing with, with the union. It may be a situation where when you do get into much larger budget projects, it right. actually ben- right. benefits the project to be able to, to do it that way. But like Eric said, at our level, it just doesn't make sense uh, fiscally and logistically.
0: Right, I mean, you're gonna raise, put out more money for, for, what? Yeah, just to satisfy them. Yeah, right. it it right. It, it doesn't make sense. At I mean, if you guys are putting out bigger budget films, maybe. Right. But I I think you're right. Where you guys are at right now, it's. You're in a good spot.
1: Yeah, when we're making uh, the Meg Three, <laughs>
0: then Sharknado Twenty Seven.
1: Right, I don't know our Sharknado's <laughs> union pictures. Hell, I
0: don't know.
2: I'm not so sure. I know they're made by the. I have, I have a feeling. I have a feeling a lot of the cameo actors in there are all sack. So it probably. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I I don't know. I don't know. I think they pulled some
1: strings. (laughs) They might have.
0: So, before we wrap this up, you guys have an Indiegogo campaign running currently. Yes. Uh, Yes. How many more days are left? Well, when does that end?
1: We have a week. Seven days. Awesome. Well, technically six days at this point because it's next Friday when it ends.
0: And uh, what all are you trying to raise funds to finish out?
1: Sorry, what uh, was that? Well, I was gonna say uh, it was how, how many how many funds have we raised up to this point? Last I checked, we were at sixty nine percent. So we've got thirty one percent left to go. Uh, we're trying to ra- raise ten k, and we're so close yeah. yet so so far away. <laughs> But we we you know we've gotten a lot of support up to this point. I'm I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to bridge that gap, but we won't know for the next uh, six days.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be a nail biter week. A little bit. And for when them. is uh, New Fears Eve slated to uh, release?
2: I Wish I could answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are, we are waiting for uh, the film uh, to be finished to where we can get it to its whole point. And then there's some people waiting to see it that have seen the trailer, that are interested in it. But we have to wait for that to happen to see if they offer us anything. And then when they are wanting to distribute it themselves in their window that they have for it. So that's why we really can't answer it because we don't at this point have a distributor for it.
0: Nice. So where can listeners keep up to date with all things new fears Eve and any other projects you guys have coming out?
2: Uh, you can uh, follow PJ and I on Facebook. Uh, our blood moon pictures has a Facebook page. Uh, there is a fan base page for, um, new fear of where they can keep up with what's going on. See behind the scene pictures that get popped up, uh, weekly. Um, and uh, we do have a website, bloodmanpictures.com, that we are presently uh, updating with all the New Year's Eve information on it. And check out our OnlyFans. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, I thought we went to Fansly. We the- I thought we did fans. Fansly. Did you do OnlyFans? Yeah, I had to set that up. We needed to, you know,
1: look, $20, $20 is $20. So mm-hmm. I thought we agreed to Fansly, but okay.
0: Bloody Feet Yeah, Eric and
1: I... If Eric and I have to show our buttholes to our friends just to be able to make a little extra money, then, uh, 20 bucks is 20
0: bucks.
2: That's right. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's uh, 20 bucks. We didn't have. Yeah. And it's the easiest money we've ever made.
0: Filmmaking's a dirty business.
2: It is. I used to show minus, my butthole strangers for free. My, yeah. actually a, minus, minus the bleaching we had to do before we got on there. <laughs> Right, yeah, that's,
0: that's, we call that the overhead. Or the underhead.
2: (laughs) That's overhead. there you
0: go. Listeners, I'll put all of their links in the episode description for easy access. Go support their Indiegogo campaign. You can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com, or if you're just looking for me, head over to Facebook and Twitter, Moose Media Inc., just look for the moose. Guys, this has been a blast. I'm looking
2: forward. Oh, thanks for having us on.
0: I'm looking forward to doing a deep dive here again in a couple months on uh, your Christmas movie, because I think that'll be fun. So.
2: Alright, sounds good.
0: So, listeners, like I said, go support their Indiegogo campaign. Watch for New Fear's Eve coming down the pike. And until next time, Horror Hounds. Ash on. This is Ben Moose's monster badge. Come back for more chills and thrills if you dare. <laughs>